0: We thank you for allowing us to be in the church, Father God, with one another, Father God, praising and lifting you up. Lord, we just ask right now, Father, as we go into the time of message and preaching, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you don't leave. But, Father, instead, you wrap your arms around us, Father God, and you captivate us with your presence, Lord. Father God, give us the urge to fall in love with you all over again, Father God. And, Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit. Father God, to wrap around us this morning, to be with us, Father God, and to ignite a fire inside of us. Father God, that we will see a transformation in each and every one of us, Father. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. The church said, amen, amen, amen. you can be seated, amen, you can be seated. Last week, I talked to you on the idea of conforming. Do not conform, do not conform. Brother Landon, you can turn me down just a little bit. I haven't even gotten excited yet. And it's already a little loud. I don't want to blow your eardrums out. But when, I, when I do get excited, y'all. First time guests your pastor's a little excited about preaching the word, so I get, I get jumpy and excited every now and then, but I try to contain it. But can only contain it so much. Amen? Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to read it together in one short scripture. And I'm going to do my best to deliver the message as the Lord wills today. Amen. We're going to let Him be in control. Talking about conforming and transforming. If you will, stand to your feet. If you've got it, say amen. amen. If you don't got it, say amen. If you can read the screen, say amen. Amen. All right, we're together now. I tell you what I want us to do. Can we look up here at the screen and read this together this morning? I'm going to try to lead you the best I can, but I ain't good at leading folks to read together, so I can barely read it myself. I'm just playing. Ready? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Perfectly will of God. Can we read it one more time to the comma right there? And did do not, not be conformed, conformed to this, this world, keep going, but, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being in this house this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless the word that it read, that, that, that it does not return void to us. Father God, I pray today, Lord, that you subtract me from the equation, but let this be all about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, if you can, if not, you're more welcome to stand up, run, and shout, and scream, as long as it's spirit-led, if not, well, it'll be alright right. We all got a little craziness every now and then, amen? Some of us got a little more than others, not pointing our fingers, you know if you point fingers, they're pointing back at you, so I'm just saying, let's talk about transformation this morning. Last week we talked to you on the idea of do not be conformed. This morning I want to talk to you on the idea of transformation of the mind. Now, sometimes when we preach, when a pastor gets up here, there's all these methods and different things, and, and they say, you know, they kind of reel you in and get you going. Well, I'm going to give it straight to you this morning. Is that okay? I got no rabbit holes to chase, no foxholes to jump into it. We're just going to dive right into it. Transformation of the mind. Here we go. What do you mean, Pastor? Plain and simple, drop the mic moment. It means spiritual transformation. The only place to start with transformation of your mind is with your salvation. Now, we can drop the mic and go on, but y'all know I'm not going to let you do that. Pentecostal preacher can't get in two minutes and be done. That's not how we roll. Transformation of the mind simply starts with your salvation. A moment over this morning and I said, Lord, I know there's a lot to it and we can dive into the scriptures and we can sit here all day going through scriptures, but Lord, what is it? And I realized it's that moment that even I myself as a young man experienced when you come to the altar and you realize you've tried everything else. You've talked to everybody. You've sat under many preachers. You've talked to many mamas and daddies. You've tried all kinds of stuff, but for some reason, nothing else works. And so then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you realize, you say, I need something more in my life. And when you come to Jesus and you come to the altar and you ask him to be in your heart and save you from your sinful self and from your flesh, then all of a sudden there's a moment of transformation where you become something different that you've never felt before. Something inside of you changes. You're ready to walk new. You're ready to be different. You're ready to talk different listen, I'm going to say something and please don't throw tomatoes at me. Don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to tell you, someone who truly is seeking God and wanting to be Him, the Savior of their life, then the minute you accept Jesus in your heart, I don't care what your past is, I don't care what your current is, but all of a sudden your future becomes something it never has been before. You start looking for something different, which means we're not curious and anxious to be the former self. We were five minutes before walking into church. Now just stick with me for a minute. We were having a conversation about this a couple weeks ago in our discipleship class. We're talking about solid foundation and building a solid foundation as a new Christian. If you've just been saved and you want to get saved, I'd encourage you to meet us starting again next Sunday at 5 o'clock for this class. But when you're building that solid foundation, that And when you get saved and God changes you, everything you once did is no longer good enough. You don't want to be that self no more. There is a transformation process where it's just not what I want. The drugs don't meet the void anymore. The alcohol doesn't meet the void. The abusive relationships aren't working out. Suddenly you get up and God has changed the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk. That's transformation of the mind. Why? Because last week we talked about conforming. Conforming means you become basically a clone of what the world wants you to, of what people want you to. But when there's a transformation process, then God gets a hold of you, and the stuff you did just doesn't meet the standard for you anymore. I beg to to ask a question. If you can walk and say, Jesus saved me, and you pray the prayer of salvation, and you walk out and you have the desire to do the same on you, I beg the question if you really meant the prayer. I know, don't don't get mad at the preacher, y'all. I'm not trying to get on anybody this morning. But I have really in these classes and just sat at my desk and I'm like, God, if we don't desire better for ourselves under your salvation and with you in our hearts, are we really so let's move on why why pastor why do I need a transformation of the mind I want to jump back over to what we talked about last week in Daniel chapter 1 if you can bear with me I want to read a few scriptures okay when I say a few it's about 10 or 12 scriptures but I want to read because this story is kind of lengthy, only a lot of us know it but some of us don't so I'm going to start at Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 if you want to write it down but Daniel purposed in his heart. Now, last week we talked about conforming. Uh, for those of you who might not have been here, the Babylonians, they captured Judah, the nation of Judah. They took them into captivity. They tried to take all the young, handsome men, and they, they took them, and uh, they tried to teach them their laws, tried to teach them their literature, their language, and tried to make them into Babylonians. They took Jewish kids. We want to make them into Babylonians. So they tried to conform them, a lot of what our world is doing to our young people today. They're feeding them things that they want to have so that in in another generation or so, Jesus and salvation and Christianity will not be what God intended it to be. But that's what we're looking for. And that's not what we're looking for, but that's what's coming, whether we like it or not, in the book of Revelation. So let's look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, "Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Vegetables and water is all they have. Then let our appearance be examined before you, the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, as you see fit to deal with your servants." So he said, all right, we're going to sit down and eat. Me and my three buddies, we're going to sit down, the four of us, eat nothing but vegetables and water. You feed them the king's food, and we're all done. After 10 days, king brings us back together and so fit to test them. So he considered with them this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who made the portion of the king's delicacies. Our kids are not here this morning, so teenagers, eat your vegetables. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies, Parents, I just want to tell you, um, Daniel chapter 1 is a good scripture if you want your kids to eat vegetables. I'm just saying it's biblical. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams.
1: Now at the end of the
0: days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Now they stand before the king. The king interviewed them and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. I think when we read that word all sometimes we underestimate just how much all means in the biblical sense. He said that in all In all wisdom and knowledge, everything they did, they were found ten times better than the king's men. So, Pastor, what does this have to do with transformation of the mind? I'm glad you asked that question. Because a transformation of the mind, if you look at Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, it gives us a chance and an opportunity to take a stand. What we're talking about last week and this week, taking a stand gives us the ability to take a stand against the schemes of the devil. I want you to understand, last week we talked about conforming. Nebuchadnezzar had all authority. He had every bit of reason. And he brought them in and he said, I'm going to bring you in, teach you my way, growing your generation. We're going to take all the young men and we're going to raise you up another group of Babylonians. How dare you praise this God of yours? That was his intent, to wipe God out of the nation. And so he did this and he brought them in and he trained them. But Daniel said, hold up just a minute. Now, we're smart fellows, but you're not going to break every tradition and doctrine we have. But I want to point out to you just a minute in transformation of the mind. Now, some of us, the old self before Jesus, would be like, hold up, now, King. We're just going to take this out of the street. Hold my rings for me. Get my earrings. We're going to take this out of the street. and do get out now. I want you to realize what, what Daniel did. Daniel went to the man in charge, and he said, now, listen. I appreciate what y'all are trying to do, but I think there's a better way. Man, you're going to get my head cut off. I, I can't go to the king. Just, just hear me out. For 10 days is all I want. 10 days, I want nothing but vegetables and water. I'll give from the king's plate, nothing but the vegetables. We'll drink the water. Don't give us the wine, and you can test us after that. Take us before the king. Okay. <coughs> Because some of us, without Jesus, our first instinct is that natural, fleshly, sinful self is We're going to beat somebody up, but I'm going to take a stand See, last week, I-, I wanted to get this out last week But I was trying to wait for this week Sometimes when we take a stand, our first thought is Oh, you ain't going to tell me who to praise." We buck our chest out Uh-uh, you ain't going to take my God for me, President Biden Nancy Pelosi, all you government people It's all the government's fault we, Everybody, we're going to take a stand And we're going to be ugly And we're going to get on it We're going to call ourselves Christians on Facebook. Let me just, can I just tell you something? Can I get on my soapbox for just a minute? Please don't call yourself a Christian and do everything the Bible says not to do and get on Facebook brave and cussing and hollering because that's not what the Bible said to do. I don't believe Jesus changed the minds of the Pharisees and the law of the Jewish land by being a butt and being ugly to people. Can I get an amen this morning? What he did is he taught, he preached, and he lived life. How far back did it go? All the way to the Old Testament, thousands of years. Daniel sat down before the chief unity and he said, Listen, hey, if you don't mind, I just want to try this way. If I'm wrong, I've done nothing but harm myself. I brought you no harm. Okay. Okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. He does this for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniel took his stand and he stood up, and the man said, Oh, wow. You so strong. You, man, y'all look good. Out and, and he even tested their knowledge, how fast they were, how good they learned. He tested them in all these things. And so all of a sudden, you have got this moment where Daniel st- took a stand against the devil. He wasn't ugly. He wasn't mean. He wasn't violent. But he said, let me do what my God told me to do. And if not, you've lost nothing. Because a transformation of the modern church brings a new way of thinking. How can I do this without bringing about utter much conflict? How can we work together in the church without causing conflict? This is not where conflict is supposed to be. This is where conflict is supposed to be resolved according to Matthew. Who wrote it what Jesus taught. This is not where, and look, outside of the church, if you call yourself a Christian, our first instinct when you say Christian and you said that Jesus in your heart, our first instinct should not be like, Oh, you just said that to me? We're going to take this outside. Is there a better way we can handle this? Is there a better way we solve it? And the more I read about Daniel, I realized Daniel took one of the strongest stands we talk about in the Bible. He stood up to the king. But he was never like the world wants us to be. He was never hungry, about it. He just said, hey, let him pray for my do." And do you realize that at the end, I can look at the last scripture. Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. You go back and study the word. Daniel was promoted under King Nebuchadnezzar, the evil king that wanted to change the Jewish men and Jewish boys and the Babylonians and teach them the ways. All of a sudden he said, Oh, there is a God. That young man means something. That young man's got a calling on his life. That young lady's got a calling on her life because they took a stand and proved who God is, and they did it without trying to defile my kingdom and trying to tear me down and trying to beat me up. But because Daniel was so in tune with the word of God and so in tune with prayer, we read later in the book of Daniel, how whenever they set a decree to put him in jail, 30 days of no prayer, they were trying to set him up. And what did he do? He went to his room, he opened the windows, and he got down on his knees and prayed. He did not try to be ugly, he did not try to defile them, but he said, John Brown, I will pray. We're going to throw you in the line again. That's okay. I'll go to jail over. And God shut the mouths of the lion. And later in the story, in Daniel chapter 6, three Hebrew boys stood before the same king Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, on the sound of the trumpet, every knee will bow at the golden image, and you will serve me. And the sound of the trumpet, the three Hebrew boys said, we will not stand. I will throw you in the furnace. Absolutely, you go right ahead. But if you do, Jesus will be with us. And if you don't, Jesus will be with us. They served God. They took a stand. They were not ugly. They were not violent. But because of God in their heart, a transformation of their mind, they said, I will simply just take a stand for God. And you will see God in my actions as Jesus did. And all of a sudden, they threw him in the fire. And Jesus, they said, hold up. There's a fourth man down in there. I only threw in three. That's not basic math. Godly way, by transformation of the mind. When your mind is transformed for the Lord. God will deliver to you new ways of thinking, new ways of being. When you're stressed out, you don't have to go back to what used to fix your stress. Whenever you have uh whenever your relationship's not going good, you don't have to go back to the way you used to do things, but you can sit down together and say, how can we overcome this? Because the Ephesians tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness and of the air. Church, we're not wrestling against husband and wife. We're not wrestling against sons and daughters. We're not wrestling against Biden and pelosi and going control. I know you may not like them this morning. I don't know who you vote for. I'm not getting on voting but what I'm telling you we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but we're wrestling against the evil powers of this world that is trying to take over our minds. Here's a saying. Sister Caleb you'll throw that first saying up there for me. The Lord gave me this as I was praying over the sermon and I want to read it this morning. If the enemy can steal your mind he can steal your identity. If he can steal your identity, the enemy can steal your heart. Oh, but Pastor, I thought it goes after the heart first. Do you realize if your brain did dead, everything else does not function without a machine? That's right. Your brain, God was so good at his job and what he did and his purpose that he created us to where our brain operates, everything in our body. Right now as my hands are moving, my brain is telling my hands to move and my feet to move. And it's also telling me to calm down. Make sure you understand what I'm saying. All that's running through my brain. Because see, if he can win your mind, and he can tell you you're not good enough, and you don't deserve to do what you do, you shouldn't be involved in ministry. You shouldn't go to church. You don't need church. You shouldn't do this. And you and your wife, you know what? Just be bitter with each other. You're always right. She's always wrong. He's always wrong. Just don't get along. You know what? There's a divorce attorney on every billboard you can drive by. Just break it off and just move on. That's a sermon for a whole other day, but that's what the enemy wants you to think. Don't get it fixed. Don't don't get it out because well, if you do, he knows what God intended for your marriage. He knows the calling God has put on your children. That's why they're giving you a fit. Because the enemy creeps on in and stirs in there, and he's like, "Oh, you know what? Y'all can talk about Jesus at home. Let me send them off to school." And I see how much enemy I can give them in school today. Oh, and my mom and daddy, you won't let them drive off to the bowling alley. Let's see how much Jesus, how much Jesus they going to get there. we got to let our kids go, but I'm telling you, the enemy is waiting to devour us. That's in the Bible. If the enemy can steal your mind, he will steal your identity. I'm not talking about a birth certificate this morning. I'm talking about the person God created you to be. The person he called you to be when he formed you in your mama's womb, the calling he put on your life, if the devil can steal your mind, he'll steal who you think you are. Because can I just can I just be real with you for a minute, very transparent as a pastor? There's times I sit at my desk and say, Lance, you know good and well that you are not the kind of man to lead this church into the future and the vision of what God has. Lance, you know good and well you are not well educated enough to teach these people how to God. Lance, you are not good enough. I, I'm just being be real with you some of y'all hang got to meet me and I'm Pastor Lance, by the way. Lord, who's Lance? I'm Pastor Lance. And so I sit there and I struggle with these thoughts. And over the years, I've had to pray harder and harder. A little transform my thinking where I can believe in myself and who God made me to be. Who God called me to be. Y'all, it's not an accident at 36 years old. I'm standing back in the church where I grew up in. That under five and six pastors from the late 80s all the way till now that I've sat under this church. I've had a connection with every pastor this church has had since since it's been built. From friendships to sitting under them and serving. It's no accident that I'm here today. And there's times I sit back and go, God, this this can't be right. I think they might have voted wrong. He didn't. And you've got to start believing in yourself by transforming your mind and believing that God has said who you are. It is not an accident. You're where you are and who you are and the believing way you do it. Well, listen. Y'all know I like to pick. Us Taylor males. My last name is Taylor, by the way. But us Taylor men are stubborn and hard-headed at times. I know we're never going to admit it, and this is me, tells you that she's lying to you. <laughs> but we are stubborn and hard-headed at times. Not often, but at times. But do you think that God gave you that stubbornness by accident? Do you think he gave Daniel the opportunity to stand up with a backbone? Do you think that he accidentally gave people? Daniel, too much confidence. How how dare you, Daniel, have a backbone and stand up for yourself? What he did was change the mindset of a king, not the not not listen, not his boss, not the unit. He changed the mindset of the entire government operation, from the chief unit all the way up to the big man upstairs to the king himself. He changed his mind and he took a stand, and that's what transforming your mind and beginning. That's a sermon for a whole another day. Women. I love it when y'all are struggling. Y'all are good people. We're going to leave it at that. See, I know how to get brownie points into too. Proverbs 4.23. If he can steal your identity, he can steal your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Now, here's what I love about reading versions of the Bible. When you read that, it says the springs of life. It sounds so beautiful, doesn't it? From out of your heart flows the springs of life, the great things that go on. The, the, the truth, you believe in yourself, comes from your heart. What you tell yourself, the mind, tells your heart. You start to believe it. You start to love it. You start to feel it. Whenever I first met Sister Vicki, I knew I was in love. It took her several months. I think when I engaged, she was still trying to talk herself into it. But still, I knew I loved her. And in my mind, I said that. And my heart started believing there. Nobody could tell me any different. And then there's another version that says this, and I love this because it almost flips the tone. It says, out of the heart flows the issues of life. Some of us know that version.
1: And when I read that,
0: I was like, oh, that's kind of a different tone. flows the issues. Some of us got some issues. Personally, in our relationships, the people around us, and our job, out of your heart flows the issues of your life. Or it flows the springs of your life. Get to pick. No, a Pastor's predetermined. I pre-pre No. God said, I loved enough. I loved you enough to send my son to die. I want you to choose me. But don't curse God if you're not choosing him and everything's going wrong. just going to leave that at that. So how do I transform my mind? I'm going to give you these and I'm going to let you go home and eat a good lunch. I don't want to leave you today. you saying, Pastor, how do I transform my mind? Don't leave me hanging, okay? I'm going to give you these real quick. Transformation of the mind. We uh, The first and most important thing. Here we go. Number one. Sister Kayla's going to try to follow me along. I know that's hard to do. I'm, I'm, I'm a little wild. <laughs> we were talking about getting a camera. I said, y'all better get one that moves fast because I get excited. I, I try to slow down, but I don't, I don't think a promise you. Number one, the most important thing you can do to transform your mind is what? Go for it. You just get them. Maybe she did. Not. I'm going to jump ahead of her. Ask Jesus in your heart. The number one way to transform your mind this morning is change your heart. If you're sitting here this morning, this message is for you, and you say, Pastor, I need to transform my stinking thinking. Number one is to put Jesus in your heart. Because the power of God will transform the way we think now. How you handle situations. I know we can have some aggravating boss men. I worked in warehousing for 12 years, aggravating people. They just want the job done. And some of them are good bosses, some of them are bad bosses, but we don't have to go in their room. We don't have to go in their office and take their books and shut it down and throw down stuff and be ugly and we wonder why we get fired because that's what God intended for his Christians to be. That's not what God intended his children to be. He said, instead, I want you to accept my son into your heart and do it. you'll walk in and say, listen, we need to talk about something. I respect you. But we need to talk about it, because it's a transformation of the mind. Number one, change your heart. I might have confused y'all. <laughs> I do that too. Don't ask Mister Vicky about that either. Number two, how do I transform my stinking thinking? Change your heart, ready? Number two, change your surroundings. These are going to be in no specific order this morning. If you want to write them down, write them down. Take a picture of each one, whatever you need to do. But I, I began to look up, y'all know me, I told you, I started learning how to use the dictionary after 14, 15 years out of high school. Actually, it's more than that, but I didn't want to give away my age this morning. Transformation, transform in the, in the, in the Webster's Dictionary says, or Merriam-Webster says, to change in composition or structure. When you look that up, it is about the things around the object that is transforming. When you transform your stinking thinking, you've got to transform, transform your surroundings. If you walk in your house and everything about it feels negative, start changing your surroundings. If you go to work and you hang around your co-workers and everything there, you feel negative, they're putting down anybody they can, you want to go home and hit somebody or hit something, listen, I'm just, i I say, listen. You need to change your surroundings, your people, what you look at. If you're reading books, a lot of y'all like to read. Sister Vicki loves to read. It gets on my nerves. Since we got married, I'm like, how do you read that much? She'll read a book in a day or two, and I'm like, that's 500 pages. I'd be lucky if I knocked that out in the whole school year. <laughs> I mean, i am now down, down. I can do a 500-page book in, what, about two or three weeks if I'm lucky. God bless. She loves to read. If you love to read, and what you're reading is making you start to transform your mind, if it's this, if this bringing lust in your heart, if the things you're reading is taking your focus off of your marriage and you on the other things, if what you're reading is putting anger in your heart, the kind of books you read, I'm not telling you not to read, but check what you're reading. See, we, limited, we, we limit it sometimes. That, oh, well, pastors have changed my surroundings. means I've got to get new friends. If you're like me, you don't have a whole lot of those you hang around with. And you just, it's not that I don't have them, but you don't get to hang around with them. You've got to check your surroundings. You've got to change what you're around. You've got to start pouring. The transformation of mind means you start pouring positivity in your life. It means that everything you're around, you don't worry about negativity no more. If you've got to paint the color of your house it just looks dark and gloomy in here, I'll buy you a can of paint and repaint your living room. I'm serious. You've got to change your surroundings, church. When you transform your mind, when Jesus comes into your heart, you've got to clean out all that stuff that is forming the badness, what's forming the negativity, what's bringing you down. You've got to change it. So how do I change my stinking thinking, change your heart, change your surroundings? Thirdly, Merriam-Webster says to change the outward form or appearance of means to transform. You've got to change your clothes. Now, Pastor, I prayed about this before I wrote it down. Ben, I prayed. I said, somebody's going to look at me funny. I get a lot of funny looks. What does he mean to change my clothes? Because I, I don't have a lot of clothes in the closet. If you're like me, I put on 20 pounds, since movement here. It happens. Y'all wonder why I'm untucked? Because I'm tucked to in this morning. It's like, oh no, that reveals too much of my good. Y'all think women do it, men do it too? And cameras had 10 pounds, and I'm the one standing up here. So yeah, I try to dress. Josh, you ever see me wearing a lot of black? That's why I'm wearing a dark jacket. It makes me look slim, don't just don't turn sideways. No, here's what I mean. If you remember the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus was buried, Jesus said, Lazarus, get up. When Lazarus walked died, he said, take off the filthy rags. Because some of us are walking around in a filth that when people see us, they see us coming a mile away. Oh, there they come with that stinky attitude. It ain't your DO. It's your attitude that's living. That's why they run. Because your negativity is starting to shoot off of other people. And you've got to start to change your clothes. You've got to start to change how you hold yourself. When Jesus comes in your heart, and to transform your mind, how do you transform your mind, is you start changing the way you appear to people. You start changing, and we were picking about this the other night. I went to a pastor's stand Friday night, and I told Sister Vicki, I said, I felt convicted because the, the brother was up there preaching, and he was talking about pastors. When you go talk to your bankers and the insurance pages, he said, to right. make sure you dress nice. And I'm like, I've been going in a pair of gym shorts and a fishing shirt because I don't look fat in those, and I feel comfortable. I got my stretching pants on. I'm just saying. Mama feeds me good. My wife feeds me good, too. When you got two women in your life feeds you good, it just happens. Y'all feel me? But you've got to change the way people see you because then they realize there's something different. When they see you come in their mind, their minds are beginning to transform because of your transformation. Oh, there's something different about that. Being that they don't dress the way they used to. Brother Mark, they don't look the way they used to. For some reason, they they there's something different about their stature. They don't. Have you ever seen a confident person stand to an unconfident person? Believe it or not, if you do your study, a confident person stands to an unconfident person. stand stands completely different. An unconfident person has more of a hunch in their shoulders. They have a hurtful, they, their neck hurts all the time because it's always drooping and sadness. Just being real with you, I've dealt with unconfidence for years, and I'll tell you, my back hunches when I sit at my desk and I get, in, when I get in one of those moves like I don't know what I'm doing. I so, oh man, i know it. And then you get somebody come to them like, I know who I am. What was that man's name, Tony Roberts, that guest speaker? I'm not tall, dark, and handsome, but man, he looks confident, he holds the chest up, Nettie. He's like, I got this. You know who I am. When you're confident in who God has made you to be, you hold yourself different. When you hold your head high, I know who God made me to be. And your mind is transformed. People look at you and say, there's something different about them that I want something. I want whatever they got. You want to know how we're going to feel the churches today? As people start looking at the Christians and the ones who are sitting in the pews and say, they got something I want. Because if we're conforming like the Babylonians and we're conforming into what they want, why, why should they come to church and get anything because they already got it? You, you feel me? But when we come in and God fills us up and, and our lives are changing, our minds are changing like, man, I'm proud of God. Amen. Let me tell you what God did for me this week. woo I couldn't pay my bills! They're like, that's not what I look like when I'm broke. I know, but God is rich. Woo! Hallelujah! I got 10 cents in my name! Pastor, you actually do that sometimes. I have. It's just a, it's just a transformation of the mind to get God to, to God to know. Lord, I still trust you. Lord, I know I'm broken. I'm gonna smile and stand crying today, Lord. That way, my wife don't get upset when I come when she come home. I'm gonna tell her we broke broken that bed. We got ten dollars. to go get a pack of cheese and some bread to eat on. But God is good. Because the transformation of your mind makes you see things different. That even in the midst of your battle, you can begin to praise God. And your stature begins to tell people, I believe in a man who cares. And it ain't Lance. it ain't Mom and Daddy, it ain't Sister Vicki. it ain't the church. But it is the God who saved me and who cleans me and he picked me up as a son. I got a plan for you. That's the man today. Amen. I want to clap on the last one. I finally got you away. <laughs> How do we transform our minds? Change your heart. Change your surroundings. Change your clothes. And lastly, you ready? Change your attitude. Amen. Now listen. I want to say this nicely. Okay? going to be nice. We're talking about confidence. But I'm not talking about that kind of attitude. Some of us got real nasty attitude. Well, Pastor, that's just who I am. That's what God created you to be. Nowhere in my Bible. If I'm not mistaken, I'm just flesh, human. Some of you Bible, Bible scholars in this room with me, you can greet me after church if you would like to. But I don't recall God using anybody with an ugly attitude. In fact, there was a man by the name of Saul who was persecuting and killing Jews. When they stoned Stephen, he stood by and held their coats. Hey, boys, y'all come pile up your coats. I'll hold it while you beat me to death. That's what he did. Read your Bible. He stood and held their coats as they stoned the man to death. Good Christian faith, Holy Spirit-filled man. Do you know that same man that held their jackets while they killed Stephen is the same man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament today? Who planted churches all across the Middle East and evangelized like no man ever had? They spoke of his name for years? Don't tell me God ain't got something for you. But God transformed who he was and gave him a new attitude and he began to realize, oh, I'm different. In fact, God said, I'm even going to give you a second chance and I'm going to change your name. Now, people noticed who he was. Ain't you that Saul guy? No, I am Paul. I am a new man. I'm who God made me be. He let his actions speak for him. His preaching, his planting churches, his ministry, his evangelizing, that's what spoke for him. He asked them, Don't you dare call me that salt. That's not who I am no more. Don't you? Um. It's not what he did. He preached the word of God and stood for God. You want to transform your state of thinking, you've got to transform your attitude. You've got to check your attitude at the door. How am I treating the people around me? Do people come to me and trust me when they're having a bad day? Do people text me and call me and ask me just to simply pray for them? Well, why are they doing that? It's not always a communication problem. Can I can I just get you attention for a minute? It's not always a communication problem. Sometimes it's just you might come off to where, I don't know that I can trust that they do pray for But Or they seem like every time I call them, it's a burden. Let me just tell you something. If you've got something going on in your life, you're not a burden to this pastor. I, 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 I'm i going to tell you Non-responsive communication is a big pet peeve of mine. If you text or call me, unless I'm, a, a, unless I'm just unnecessarily busy or I'm with my family doing another event. I'm going to answer for that. You let this pastor know you've got some going on you need prayer, I'm going to pray for you. Why? Because I know that God is there for me when I need him. And I'm going to be there for you and anybody else who needs this pastor. Because you've got to check your attitude to at the Lord. I'll tell you this story and I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. Years ago and I professed to be a Christian was even going into ministry. And the job I held I had got to a point where I realized I was coming home every day, looking back now, I was coming home every day and just ugly to my family, just to be real with you. Now, I never hit my wife, I never did anything like that, so don't get no thoughts in your head, I was just, you had a nasty, bad attitude, I hated my job, I mean hated y'all, it was a Christian how much I hated that place, I walked in, opened it with catch on fire. I'm just being real with you. I was like, Lord, if, if, if somebody it, they did, uh, in they did the military exercises at the air base. I said, Lord, if they accidentally dropped one of them bombs, I would not be upset today. Yeah, as long as you spare my life and everybody in the building, just please blow the place up. I- I'm serious. I hate it. I know some of y'all feel me. I would come home and just ugly to my wife. I don't want to do nothing. I'm tired. Just sitting there and cross my arms. It's ugly. She never said nothing to me. I lost that job. One day my wife looked at me and made me realize some things. She had she corrected me a few times, but I didn't realize how bad it was So I got fired. And God convicted me, and I sat down one day. And when I left that job, I, I got my things right with God. I got my mind fixed on Him, and I was so at peace. I was like, Lord, please never let me speak to my family that way again. Never let my kids see me ever come in the door with an attitude so bad. That I just hate everything around me because they didn't do that and they don't deserve that. If you leave your job and you know that it gives you a bad day, one, pray that God will open another door. Or two, drive around the block and if your wife, listen, I'm, here's, are you ready? Marital advice. I'm not great at it. You can ask. I've only got 16 years i experience and I'm still, I'm still a beginner in it, according to my wife and kids. But I'm trying. Teenagers, well, Pastor, we ain't married yet. If you're single, marital advice. If you have a rough day at work, just text me and say, I'm driving around the block. Well, Why are you wasting gas? Just trust me, you're going to want me to. Because that gallon of gas means that I can come home with a smile on my face and change my attitude and say, I love you. Now, God, help me be the family man or the family woman you created really me be. You've got to check your attitude in everything you do because God is working through you. When you transform your mind, God will do that for you. He will help you be the man or woman he's called you to be in front of everybody around you. Your boss man, your wife, your children. You want to raise up good children? Check your attitude when you walk into the house. Say, God, I need you to change my attitude before I get in front of my kids because I'm gonna be a positive, effective role model for them. They didn't send you, they didn't send you to work. You don't like your job, they're not forcing you to go there. Well, it's because of them I've got to pay bills. No, it's not. You can find another job. There's people all over the street asking for hire. I'm just saying, don't get mad at me. But when you transform your mind, God begins to open doors to help you change your attitude. Let me give you two scriptures and we're going to pray. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Pastor, how do I change my standing thinking? Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I'm going to read that for you. The Lord told Joshua himself, this is the Lord's voice. He said, the Lord's voice. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it means you should think about it, sleep on it, read it, do everything you can, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. He said, the Lord told Joshua, I need you to meditate on the book of law so that you may know it, speak it, and live it. You've got to think on it. Whenever times are going bad in your life and everything's looking gloomy, what are you thinking about? You thinking about how bad you want to beat up somebody? He said, Pastor, did you just say that? I'm just say, I'm, I'm a human. Brother Bruce, I've had days. Sister Rachel, I've had days. It's like, that. I sure would like to, I got some big knuckles, man. I'd love to test them out one good time. You know? Yeah, I pray through it. Lord, deliver me from that. Let me meditate on your word, though, so that when I'm angry, I can think of the scripture and how it tells me to be a peacemaker and not a, and not a problem stirrer. Here's the state of scriptures. I'm gonna read this to you, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. If you will stand to your feet. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brethren, Luke if you'll come to the piano for just a minute. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy. Think on these things. How do I transform my thinking? Thinking. Change your heart. Change your surroundings. Change your clothes. Change your attitude. And lastly, here we go. This is what you do. Think on whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, of good report, Any virtue and anything praiseworthy. Let me tell you something. There are times when I've had days so bad. The job did not satisfy. Nothing got it right. So you know what made my day better? And I don't mind telling y'all this. I'm not trying to be weird or one of those pastors. I just thought about my wife. I love her with all my heart. And when everything else was going bad, I thought about her. Well, pastors, what if you're not getting along? I thought about my kids. I love my kids. Listen, we're all human in here. We don't always get along. My wife loves to tell everybody, says, "I love him every day, but I don't like him." I'm just—I can be an annoying person at times. I got my ways. Don't look like that, Sister Vicki. You might pray over me. But we all do. Think about whatever things are pure. Think about the day when you got saved. How Jesus came into your life and changed you. Oh man, I remember that feeling. Lord, I can think back. And when I was a young teenager, and there was a revival. I was about 13 or 14, there was a revival happening at that little blue church on the corner. And I remember seeing all the teenagers praying at the altar, and one of them began to speak in tongues. And I told the evangelist the guy, I want that. I want that for me. And he said, All you've got to do is ask. And at 13, 14 years old, I sat there at that altar and the Holy Spirit began to take over my life. I can remember those things. Think on the day you got saved, but whatever. When the, when the enemy is batting against you and he's trying to knock you out and your mind is focused on something, immediately you've got to call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I need you to change my stinking thinking right now and help me focus on something pure. Lord, help me focus on my wife. When people see you smile and like, what you got? you so happy. God is just so good. He blessed me with an awesome marriage. Do you know that'll make other people want an awesome marriage? Man, God's so good. I was thinking about my kids. They got on my nerves last night, but man, I love them little dudes. <laughs> They're so awesome. Jacob is a ladies' charmer. I am so jealous of him. I'm like, man, he's got it. I was like, if I had that when I was a kid, I'd have been unstoppable. I had, to, I had to pay a paid girl to date me for four years. Don't take that. I didn't know. I was just nerdy. She was just crazy enough to date me. But the thing about it is, is you think on there's things that are pure in your life because God blessed you with those. Let me tell you, days are going to be hard. When you accept Jesus, he did not promise for an easy road, but he promised I'll be there and never forsake you. I'll always be right by your side. It means in your mind and in your heart. When you accept Jesus in your heart doesn't mean he just lives here, but he lives here too. Because the enemy wants to win your mind today, church. He wants you to think how much you hate life. I hate, I hate, I hate, I know that's a strong word. My mom was like, don't you use that word? I hate the word suicide. Because somewhere the enemy has told people they're not good enough or adequate enough or never amount to anything. Jesus can't get rid of that stupid thinking. Because in God's in God's heart, He created you in His image. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you read this scripture, he says, You are his masterpiece. Every one of you have the, have the right to look in the mirror, profess to prayer. And this thought come to my mind. Every one of you has the right to look in the mirror and say, I'm God's only Lisa. I've never understood the beauty in that painting. I haven't. But it's one of the most well-known paintings the world has ever talked about. You say Da Vinci, Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, I think I got that right, Da Vinci right? I told you oh, I super, Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, everybody in the world knows about it. You are God's masterpiece, it's the finest work he's ever created, every one of them. So we will bow your heads, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day and all your blessings. Lord, my first prayer right now, God, is that there's someone in this house that don't you, but want to make it right today. Lord, I pray they give their life to you. In fact, I'm going to ask right now. I want to let everyone in this room know I don't care how long you've been in this church. When we ask folks if they want to get saved, I ask them to come to the front. It's not to pick on you, it's not to point you out. It's because we want to pray with you and we want to celebrate with you. Our cameras are turned off, nobody's watching. This is your private time, just you us and your new church, your 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 new family. If you're in this house and you want